Welcome back to the 49 Away Podcast, football fans. It's your host, Jay Sohoda, back at it, and we got a lot to talk about on this episode as the NFL draft is just a few days away and the 49ers have a pretty important decision to make as they hold the number three overall pick in this year's draft and are expected to choose the new face of the franchise. On this episode, I'll be joined by a diehard Pats fan and a good friend of mine, Alex Milano, and we will discuss the NFL draft, this year's rookie quarterback class, the Niners pick at three, who the Patriots will draft, NFL offseason, and early championship contenders, which would be very early championship contenders as there's still a whole summer of the offseason left to go. So keep it locked. We got a good one on tap. And don't forget to give the 49 away a follow on Instagram and Twitter for more 49ers news and analysis. What is happening, faithful and football fans? Welcome back to the 49 Away Podcast. Jay Sohoda here. You know the deal. And today I'll be joined alongside a good friend of mine. He's a diehard Pats fan and an absolute beast on the football field. And he's made me look pretty good on the field over the past few years too. Alex Milano, welcome to the 49 Away Podcast, my guy. What's cracking? Uh, not much, man. It's a, it's an absolute pleasure to be here. I uh, I appreciate it. I uh, <laughs> I wish all my intros to any room were as good or half as good as, as that one was. Oh, of course. Had to had to hype you up, man, as always. But man, I'm glad to have you on here and uh, glad we get to share some of our insightful, entertaining football conversation that we've had over the years. And now other people get to hear it. So I guess we'll start with the elephant in the room. And that's it's a big week in terms of the NFL drafts coming up on Thursday at 8 p.m. on Thursday. So what are some of your thoughts heading into the NFL draft? Well, I think, uh, to be honest with you, one of the one of the things we're going to start to see in the next maybe five, seven, ten years now is the importance on speed in the NFL. You know, you're not getting those, uh, whether it be the six-foot-six quarterbacks like John Elway or you're getting those, you know, uh, six-foot-six or even six-foot-three uh, wide receivers or tight ends. You're seeing a lot of speed guys like, you know, Devontae Smith, uh, you're seeing quarterbacks that aren't as tall, like Trey Lance. You're seeing some some defensive tackles that are below 300 pounds, which is just unheard of. And and I really think the emphasis on speed is going to take the NFL in a, in a big direction. In these last couple of drafts, especially including this one, it, it's going to be something. That's, that's a really good point that you hit on, and I think we'll kind of get into that in a bit too, is going and looking in this direction that the NFL is going in in terms of the certain athlete that teams look for and scouts look for and and especially looking at quarterbacks, like you mentioned, Trey Lance and Zach Wilson's another guy who's a little undersized as well. But I guess we'll start off by talking about, I guess we know the Jaguars have the number one pick and they're probably going to take Trevor Lawrence. The Jets have number two and are most likely going to take Zach Wilson. So that brings us to the fact of the question that everyone's been trying to figure out over the past four weeks and have had to hear everyone's dumb opinion on who the Niners are going to pick at number three. So who do you think the Niners are going to pick at number three? I think uh, I know it's it's a it's definitely maybe uh, underrated. But I'm thinking Justin Fields. I'm thinking you know the 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 smokescreen with Mac Jones. I, I just I don't buy it. I mean, don't get me wrong. He got he has incredible talent around him in Alabama, but uh, Justin Fields like he 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 plays that quarterback position with such a, a, a calmness. And uh, even though Ohio State wasn't anywhere near as talented uh, as Al, uh, Alabama there. Uh, you know, you, you really get to see a quarterback shine. And, and Mac Jones, you know, you're really almost afraid of what happened with Tua. Like, I mean, it's only one season, but Tua, 
you know, he got to the NFL and he really realized how much uh, he benefited from being on such an unbelievably talented Alabama team. And Ohio State just isn't that talented in comparison. And Justin Fields really shined. Yeah, that's a good point. And look, like over the past four weeks, I have heard a different rumor every single day. And that's why I've just tried to keep away from Bleach Report. Like I've heard every single person's different opinion and their moms and their kids and everyone's different opinion on who is going to take a number three. But I, I don't I, I listen. I personally would love to have Justin Fields at number three. And I, I'm kind of on the Trey Lance bandwagon, too. I think he probably has the most upside of the three. So I'd be happy with either or. But my thing here when I look at this that's going to be interesting is, does Kyle Shanahan choose the guy that he sees can fit his system? Or does he go in the direction of where the NFL is going and going with a guy that has a little more mobility and can move the pocket? Because I think if they traded up all the way to three to take a guy like Mac Jones, you're basically just replacing Jimmy Garoppolo with another Jimmy Garoppolo, just not as good looking. <laughs> yeah, 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 definitely. That jawline on Jimmy G is uh, <laughs> not much, not much can be replaced outside of that. But uh, yeah, no, it's, it's definitely one of those, uh, one of those things where if they take Mac Jones, I mean, you know, I, I wouldn't see it as a bad pick overall, but it just seems like, you know, you're, you're trading up, you're giving up so much asset wise in the future and mortgaging the future potentially. Uh, for a guy that looks essentially to be like a Jimmy G prototype and maybe they want to mold him a little differently or they're worried about uh, Jimmy G's injury concerns. But, you know, you, not every day you get a guy that throws zero interceptions, uh, you, you know, granted to be FCS football, but you don't get Trey Lance coming out of here uh, and absolutely dominating like the way Carson Wentz did and even more so at the same school. And, and with Justin Fields, like I said, it's, it's just that athletic profile, the ability to run the ball by himself and, and be maybe not a Lamar, but someone like a you know a Josh Allen with the ability to just run out and pick up four or five hundred yards over the season that adds a whole different dimension to your offense. And Shanahan is one of the most dynamic coaches I've ever seen, uh, arguably. So I just I'd love to see it happen. Absolutely, I I couldn't agree more with that. And I think you put a guy like Justin Fields or Trey Lance, and honestly, the same thing with Mac Jones. Like I I get where you're coming from too, because I think wherever he lands, he's gonna be good. Like, Mac Jones is a good quarterback. I just don't understand, like, why you would go and move up to pick a guy like that at number three and, like you said, sacrifice so much of the future to get a guy like that. My only thing would be, like, maybe they just did that because they assumed that he would be taken by number 12. But even if you move up to, like, six or seven, you still might have a chance of getting him. But maybe they just wanted to be so certain that if we move up to three, we're getting our guy no matter what. So I, I can kind of understand that, but... I just think if you're moving up that much and giving up as much as John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan did to move up to number three, you have an opportunity at getting a guy like Justin Fields or Trey Lance that has so much more to offer. And you put that with a supporting cast of Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk, George Kittle, Kyle Juszczyk, like that mm -hmm. is just absolutely ridiculous. And I'm really hoping that that's, you know, what, what ends up happening. Because I feel like if Mac Jones is the name that's called the number three, Forget me. The rest of the Niner fans are just going to go absolutely insane. I might have to, like, delete Twitter for the night. Like, it's, <laughs> it, it wouldn't be fun. But, you know, I'm excited to see what happens. I do trust Kyle Shanahan. Even if it is Mac Jones, I trust Kyle Shanahan with whatever he chooses. So, we'll, we'll see what happens, man. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I'm nervous as hell because this is a really important pick for the Niners. This might be the most important draft pick they've had in, like, my lifetime since, like, picking Alex Smith at one. In yep. 2005, like that's, I think, the last time where they picked a quarterback in the first round. I don't even think they've done that, but 
I don't know. I'm excited for it. I'm looking forward to this pick. And I think the one thing I'll say about Trey Lance when I watched him too is he reminds me of a mini Colin Kaepernick. Yeah. With yeah. The, the style that he plays, how much he runs. I mean, he ran for over 1,000 yards in 2019. So I'm going to call him mini Cap. And even if he doesn't land in the Niners, you know, I think he'll be great. I think all three of these guys will be great. But speaking of this quarterback class, and obviously we talked a lot about the Niners here to start off the episode, but... In terms of some of the other teams, you know, Jags, Jets, Niners are going quarterback for the top three picks unless something absolutely insane happens. Which other teams do you think would trade up or surprise anyone to pick a quarterback in the first round or within the top maybe 15 picks or so? Uh, so there's a, there's a couple different teams. I mean, Atlanta's sitting at four. Uh, you know, that's, that's really, to be honest with you, where I think the draft starts. I think everyone is pretty much set in concrete that three quarterbacks are going top three and all Fair. the 49ers are kind of you know, uh, debating on who they're going to take potentially. I think the draft really starts at four. And uh, I could see Denver moving up at nine. They could jump up from nine to four if they're willing to mortgage an extra first, maybe an extra first and second. Yeah. Uh, Bit of a homer pick, but I could absolutely see the Pats moving up. I mean, Belichick doesn't necessarily trade up. He's a big trade down type of guy. Uh, but the you know Cam Newton is definitely not the long term answer. I think Cam Newton is uh, maybe a season, maybe potentially two more seasons. But uh, I think this this year. With all the additions they had in free agency, even uh, like I said, with Denver, with uh, with Drew Locke, like he he doesn't quite seem the the true true answer. I mean, when you have a receiving core that comprises of Cortland Sutton, Jerry Judy, uh, you have unbelievably good uh, like Tim Patrick out of the slot. Like you have some very solid, yeah. you know, twelve hundred yard receiver in Jerry Judy potentially. And in I really think that if Denver hops up here, they could be really really uh, you know pot- um, potent. And uh, same thing with the Pats. That's definitely my top fifteen. Outside of that. Jumping up into the top five when you're outside of the top fifteen, like you're mortgaging multiple first round picks. And I, I don't yep. I don't know if there's too many teams that are gonna that are gonna pay that price. Yeah, no, I'm with you on that. I think you know, some of the teams that I had listed here, Carolina, Chicago, New England, Washington, Detroit, and Denver. Um, I think are some of the teams that are in the market for a quarterback as well. Carolina, I think I actually like Sam Donald in Carolina. I don't know about you, but I actually like that move. And I feel like that's a nice, fresh start for him. So I don't necessarily think Carolina needs to draft the quarterback. I think why not test out Sam Donald and see where that goes. Chicago, I think, is just a disaster. I don't think Andy Dalton is the answer at all. So I I wouldn't be surprised if they go out and take a quarterback. I agree with what you said about New England. You just never know with Bill Belichick. I mean, he's been at these quarterback pro days. So who knows if that's a smokescreen or not. You just never know with him. Washington, I could see because Ryan Fitzpatrick is not the answer long term. He's there for this year, which I actually like that move, too, because Washington, they're they're a good young football team. And you add a guy like Fitzpatrick, you know, you have a chance of winning that division potentially. So I actually like that move. But I wouldn't be surprised if they went up and got a quarterback either. Detroit's another interesting one because I feel like Jared Goff is more of a bridge Guy, I can't really see them saying, yeah, we have Jared Goff. We're just going to see where this goes. Maybe it could. I mean, who knows? But I still think Jared Goff was more of Sean McVay's system, kind of made him who he was over the last three years. I don't really think Mm -hmm. he's as good as a quarterback in that regard. So I don't really know where Detroit's going either. They're a bit of a disaster too. And then Denver. I like the one that you pointed on as well. Denver has a ton of talent, man. They are loaded on offense. They have a nice young defensive core. It's just been... Ever since Peyton left, they have never been able to fill that void at quarterback. And honestly, I think this this is probably the year to do it. 
it to trade up and try and get a quarterback because this is be. a yeah, this is a really good class that you have here. So I wouldn't be surprised if John Elway strikes a trade and see that happening. So it'll be very interesting to see what happens. And I agree with you. After four, there there we're gonna see some other teams trade up and see where that goes. So yeah, I'm excited to see where that happens as well. Atlanta's a very interesting one because you have a new coach, you have Matt Ryan, but we all know Matt Ryan, you know, maybe has a good maybe two, three years left, maybe even less. Maybe they'd like someone in this draft too, and then they move on from Matt Ryan after this year. So Atlanta is weird because you can go two different directions, right? You could probably get a few guys and try to win now, or you just move on from Matt Ryan and Julio Jones and you just start fresh, which I think would probably be a better move in that division. But that division's interesting because Tom Brady's not going to be there forever, although it seems like it. Drew, <laughs> Brees is, Drew Brees is no longer there in New Orleans. And Carolina is, is still getting there. I like the direction they're going in, but they're still getting there. So Atlanta is in a really interesting position, and it'll be, it'll be interesting to see what they decide to do with the new regime there. So speaking of this quarterback class, before we move on to some other stuff here, which quarterback of the four or five guys do you see being the best quarterback five years from now and the worst quarterback. Obviously, it's impossible to tell, but just as a, a nice prediction. Uh, yeah, it's definitely it's a challenging question. I think um, I think based on where they land will absolutely determine a whole lot. Um, I think, to be honest with you, my my number one pick for overall best. Uh, I, I hate to be the the unoriginal guy in the room, but uh, Trevor Lawrence. You know that that guy is uh, just about as you know predictable as it comes. He he absolutely. You know, he shines through college. He shines in high school. I think he's lost, if I'm not mistaken, four games since his grade nine year all through high that. school. And, uh, yeah, I know. <laughs> and That's just college, whack. It's absolutely That's insane. Whack. Yeah, it's insane. It's absolutely nuts. He, he's lost one game at Clemson or two games at Clemson, including one was a national championship. So the guy's a winner. He's been winning since he was, you know, young. And, and, and at the end of the day, if he lands in uh, Jacksonville with Urban Meyer and, and stuff goes well, I think out of the uh, all five, he'll probably end up the best. But that's just because he's about a generational quarterback as becomes. And, and to be honest with you, my, my potential worst is I think Trey Lance is going to be the absolute definition of a boom or bust project. He reminds me an absolute bunch of um, Josh Allen. So Josh Allen comes out of Wyoming. Wyoming's in the Mountain West. That's a incredibly, to be honest with you, not great Division One conference. That's arguably one of the weakest ones besides maybe yeah. the Sun Belt. Um, so he comes out and he's barely, he never passed 55% completion percentage in college. That's Josh Allen in a very weak conference that he's playing against. He's not playing against the SEC at all. And, you know, through a couple of years of challengement, uh, or challenging stuff with the, the bills there, he absolutely lights it up with Stefan Diggs. And that guy looks like a huge, great pick, like the highest upside, like you mentioned earlier, but if Trey Lance ends up with, you know, maybe a, a team that doesn't have the greatest coaching staff or might not really understand how to use him well. Uh, he could really be, you know, unfortunately, I think he could potentially be, uh, you know, a bit of a bust. No, I'm, I'm with you on that. I think because Trey Lance is so inexperienced, there's that potential of, yeah, he may not be that great or he could be really, really good. And I, and I think I'm going to go in the direction of I think he has potential to be the best in this class because when I look at his skill set, it mirrors where the direction of the quarterback in the NFL is going. And you look at a Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, like you hit on, Deshaun Watson, some of these guys who have that ability to run and pass, move out of the pocket and make those insane type plays with a big arm too. 
So I think Trey Lance has what it takes to get there, but can, will he get there? And can he, you know, maximize his talent and get in the right system and be able to do that? But I also agree with you in the sense that he is not very experienced, especially because the 2020 season was canceled for North Dakota State. I didn't even know that until like a few days ago. Yep. So he hasn't played since 2019. And then if you think about it, and I'm just assuming like if the Niners were to were to draft him, he's going to be sitting for a year. That's two years of him not playing any in-game reps at all. So that I find to be a really interesting thing. So when I look at all the options, I would probably say this. I think Justin Fields is probably the best pick for the 49ers because Trey Lance is inexperienced. Mac Jones doesn't, he has a lot of things that you like, but he doesn't have the it factor. Justin Fields is like that common denominator that has a little bit of both, but he is a little injury prone. And that is the one huge factor for the 49ers because that's why we're in this situation in the first place because if Garoppolo had never gotten hurt in 2018 and last season this this whole scenario would not be happening right now so it's very interesting to see I'm sure that John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan went through every single little tidbit of information to try and narrow down their picks so it'll be really interesting there in terms of the the guy that I think is going to be the worst I'm actually gonna go Zach Wilson because I think talent-wise, he has it, but I don't know what it is, but there's something about him that gives me, like, Johnny Menzel kind of vibes. And I just, I don't, I don't know. I'm not really sold on it. But he but he has really good talent, but I don't know what it is, but there's something there. And if he gets drafted by the Jets, eh, yeah, I don't know about that. Yeah, the Jets, uh, they haven't had exactly the greatest history of picking quarterbacks. I think <laughs> since Brett Favre spent a year there, they've been... Uh... Pretty futile picking Mark Sanchez, Geno Smith, Christian Hackenberg. They've tried so many different options, and I hope he lands there, and, and I hope he does well with the new coaching staff and regime there, but they don't have a great history. Yeah, no, 100%. And I really hope that Robert Sala and, and Mike LaFleur and those guys are able to turn that thing around. So, you know, I'm really high on that coaching staff, and the Jets are an incredibly hard franchise to make happy. So I wish them the best of luck with that and getting this draft pick, because if they don't, it's going to be more trouble in paradise for there. So I think we kind of already hit on the Patriots picking at 15. You kind of mentioned it a little bit, but what are you hoping the New England Patriots do at 15? I'll be honest. So I'm thinking uh, to be to be true as a fan, I'm, I'm thinking we run at least at least this season with Cam. Uh, as much as this is in a, a loaded quarterback class, I, uh, I have faith. I mean, don't get me wrong. You know, uh, the shoulder injury and the accuracy issues last year were bad. Like I watched more balls in the dirt uh, than I think I've ever seen. And I've watched some pretty unfortunate Matt Castle football the year that Tom Brady wasn't in. <laughs> Fair <laughs> so, enough. Yeah. So I'm thinking, you know, with, with all the teams trading up, I could absolutely see us trading up for a quarterback. But at the end of the day, one, one thing that would be unbelievably helpful to benefit, uh, you know, the way that Belichick coaches and, and brings players in that he think fits his system. I would love Micah Parsons. Micah Parsons could be an absolutely brutal run game defender and absolutely amazing pass defender he has a little bit of issues with some some uh, agility at the end of the day though I just think that that Penn State style defense and the way that they run things there it, it really reminds me of how he wanted to bring in uh, Dante Hightower about a decade ago out of Alabama he was a first round pick and for a decade he's been the middle central part of our defense that can do a mix of both and I, I think honestly Parsons could end up in the end of the day being better than Hightower is even now with uh, with a few years and then potentially if Cam, you know, kind of falters and that isn't the option they want to take, I wouldn't be surprised if they bring in other veterans, uh, if they bring in, you know, potentially a, a rookie after the draft as a UDFA. And while you don't expect those guys to start, 
Uh, if you build a good defense, you could very well, you know, sneak in the playoffs with the 17 game season. You could sneak in at nine and eight or even potentially 10 and seven. Uh, and I think with the absolutely brutal, brutal amount of talent that we had on the team last year, they still got seven wins. So yep. if, they, if they can crank out three more, that's a playoff team. And maybe yep. it's not the Tom Brady era anymore, but I'm perfectly happy with the transition that we've gone through and, and adding to that defense when it's, you know, was really good. Uh, and kept us in some games last year, even with all the opt-outs, I think Micah Parsons could be an absolute steal. Yeah, and honestly, I'm with you on that. And the thing, like we already mentioned, is with Bell, what direction he's going to go in. Like, he he could go and take a linebacker with that pick, or he could end up trading up and getting a quarterback. Like, you just never know. But I like I like both options, because if they go and they trade up for a quarterback, I still think they're going to be starting Cam no matter what and having the rookie, you know, sit behind Cam anyways. But if they go on to the the defensive side and you get a guy, like you mentioned, and even pair him with Donta Hightower coming back, that's really good because the Patriots had, they had, they lost so many guys last year in the offseason due to COVID on defense. And you're right. Like they, like you said, they'd still finish seven and nine. And then to the Cam Newton point, you know, you know me, I'm, I'm a big Cam guy. I really think that COVID pause for him really affected him and how he played down the stretch. And I've, I've had so many conversations over the past few weeks in, in different sports about how COVID affects athletes. And a lot of these athletes have taken a lot of time to get back into things after they've had that pause. So it's really interesting to see that. And I think if you give Cam a full offseason and with the guys that Belichick brought in this offseason too, I think, I think – this year will be a little bit better for him. At least I hope so. But obviously, it's interesting too because what the Patriots do and what the Niners do kind of affects Jimmy Garoppolo as to what's going to happen because obviously we know like 99% that after 2021, Jimmy G is no longer going to be a 49er and the number one destination would have been sending him back to Foxborough. So if the Patriots do not take a quarterback in the first round, that kind of leaves the door open as to, okay, we'll deal with cam this year and then we have an open vacancy after that and if the niners are open and the deal is right send him back to foxborough and boom your quarterback situation is is sealed right but if the patriots do draft up and they get a quarterback in the first round then you have the niners have their guy in the future the patriots have their guy in the future and then where in the hell does jimmy garoppolo go from there maybe denver or or you know carolina chicago his his hometown team who knows where he mm-hmm. ends up so that affects where Garoppolo's future is going to lie in that scenario too. But I mean, I got to ask the question, what, like, would you be happy if the Patriots were to bring back Jimmy Garoppolo or are you kind of just over it and want to move on? I think Garoppolo is definitely the definition of, uh, you know, a, a bit above average. You know what he actually reminds me of a little bit is he reminds me of the Cincinnati Andy Dalton. And I don't mean that in a bad way. Andy Dalton, you know, by all means kind of had a crappy, case there in Cincinnati I absolutely think Marvin Lewis was a joke and kind of ruined the 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 central part of AJ Green's career and even Andy yep. Dalton's career but at the end of the day if you look at his you know advanced statistics and some of his PFF grades and a few other things Andy Dalton was the definition of a league average quarterback he was putting up between 25 and 35 touchdowns a year about 10 to 14 interceptions and he wasn't necessarily winning you games but he wasn't losing you games he was just a average quarterback could you have upgraded yes and i think jimmy g is that maybe just a little bit of a step up he reminds me of in a way that andy dalton and almost if you remember chad pennington from the early 2000s he reminds me of that just a little bit he he 
he won't throw away a game because he's not much of a risk taker. He doesn't throw that deep bomb into double coverage like Brett Favre did. But he also can consistently hit those drags, those slants, those comebacks. And that type of stuff, that basic, like, fundamental football, uh, I think that's super valuable because everyone's trying to play hero ball nowadays. They're out there, they're whipping these crazy balls, and it looks great when you're, you know, playing against air. But when you got defenders out there, those are professional players. They, they really want to come after that football. And I think Jimmy G can really, uh, if he takes that, you know, uh, injury issue if that kind of backs away and he protects himself a little bit better potentially I think that if he does come back to the Patriots that he could be a little bit of above average quarterback and at the end of the day he might be better than Cam yeah no I I think especially right now if when Jimmy's healthy I think he is better than Cam I think Cam is past his Carolina days in the sense obviously if you had a, a Cam in his prime right now no he's way better than Jimmy G right now but I think right now yes Garoppolo is better than Cam but the one thing that they both have in common is neither of them can stay healthy. And that's the whole thing with Garoppolo, in my opinion. I'm with you on the whole above or just slightly above average quarterback. And Andy Dalton's actually not a bad comparison because Andy Dalton and Cincy, he was a baller. Like, it's not like he wasn't like a scrub or anything. Andy Dalton was actually good in Cincinnati. It was just exactly like you said, the Bengals just could never win a, a damn playoff game for the life of them. So... I actually like I like that comparison, and I've heard a lot of comparisons to Alex Smith as well, and I think there is a lot of similarities between the two of them there too. But, you know, the thing with Jimmy, and I think I, I talked about this on um, other uh, podcast, Baller Island. If you haven't listened to, to Baller Island, go and give that a follow. But I mentioned this too, that I feel like the 49ers fan base is so divided about Jimmy Garoppolo because you have the people that have been around in the 80s and 90s to witness Joe Montana and Steve Young and, and all those winning days that they're so, you know, their expectations are so high that if Garoppolo isn't that, he's not good enough. Even though Garoppolo has won like what, like 85% of his starts with the 49ers. Like we won almost every, we've been in every single game he started, except for maybe that absolutely disaster against Miami earlier last season. But other than that, They've been in every single game they've played with Garoppolo there. So there's that perspective of a 49er fan. But then there's someone like me where I mentioned this too the other week saying that I personally loved Garoppolo when the Niners traded for him because we were absolutely horrendous before we traded for him. And then once we traded for him, all he did was win games. And I was like, I'm not used to this. Like I'm a, I, was, I was brought up in the era of losing 49ers football. So I've just been accustomed to losing, except for like the three years with Jim Harbaugh. I've been accustomed to losing. So once Garoppolo came in, I was like, wow, like this is what it feels like to win again. Right. So that's kind of my thing with Jimmy G. And that's why, like, I personally, you know, loved him as a Niner. And I love this. Time. It's just unfortunate that the injuries kind of derailed that. But I think when you have an opportunity like the Niners do, you have a really good opportunity at getting someone who is way more talented then Garoppolo, the only thing there is, can this new guy that the Niners bring in, are they going to be healthy enough? That is the biggest thing, and I, I hope the best for everyone. I hope wherever Garoppolo goes to, I hope he's able to stay healthy because it's weird. I don't know if you've noticed this pattern. I noticed this pattern, and I, someone else called it out. I forgot who it was, but someone called it out on one of, their, uh, one of their shows on Instagram, and they were saying, Garoppolo has been healthy every other year since 2016 have you noticed that yeah yeah it's incredible he's he's been on and off like it's like uh your super bowl season where you guys were you know a, a throw away from from winning a super bowl 
guy played like a lights out and he was, I don't even think he sniffed the injury report all season long. And then he's gone the next year and then he comes back and he's gone the next year. It's incredible. Exactly. And that's one thing that's, I, I like that because hopefully this year, because we have a Super Bowl caliber roster this year, I hope he's able to stay healthy and we can make a run at it again. But it's, it's so whack. Like in 2016, he injures his, I think it was his shoulder with New England when Brady got suspended. And yep. in 2017, he gets traded to San Francisco and he plays lights out in five games and he gets that big contract. And then 2018, he comes in, tears his ACL. 2019, takes the Niners to the Super Bowl. And then 2020, sprains his ankle not once, but twice. Absolutely whack. But honestly, I, I wish Jimmy Garoppolo the best of luck in his future. I hope he's able to have a healthy season with us, the, the 49ers this season. And wherever he goes after that, I hope he's able to stay healthy because he is a good quarterback and he's a guy that I think you know, can win you a lot of football games. But to finish up the NFL draft talk here, which teams based off of the offseason so far and how it's gone do you think really need to ace this NFL draft? I think one team that absolutely needs to ace this NFL draft is the Saints. With all the talent that they lost and that division being an absolute bloodbath, they uh, they really have to hit on some picks. And if they do, they can absolutely vault themselves into complete contention. I mean, Jameis... I don't know, you know, 30 touchdowns, 30 interceptions seems like a pretty unproductive way to play football in the NFL. But if he reigns them in with Sean Payton uh, and they add some some talent a little bit along the offensive line and, and maybe even potentially a receiver beyond uh, Michael Thomas and um, so what's his name? The small little guy, five foot six. Uh, I'm blanking. But anyways, I, I really think that the, the Saints could absolutely uh, pick up a couple of different good players and continue to go back to back uh, or back and forth, I should say, with Tampa Bay. And anybody in the NFC West, that division, obviously with the 49ers, Seahawks, Cardinals, um, like it's it's an absolute bloodbath. That the same as it is. It's, it's oh my god! It's it's probably the most talented division in football. And if four teams could make the playoffs out of one division, I honest to god think that this would be the year out of that division. So yep. any of those four teams hitting on, let's just say even five of their seven picks or four of their seven picks. With how incredibly close those teams are in talent to one another, even the Rams, same thing. Like they absolutely could just kick it to that next gear, and then it's almost the Super Bowl division, and <laughs> that would be unbelievable. Yeah, no, that's a great point, and and I'll start with your Saints point there. That that is an interesting one. The Saints are an unknown for the first time in a really long time. Obviously, post Drew Brees era, now they're entering because Jameis Winston is a good quarterback. Like, honestly, in my mind, I honestly think he is a good quarterback and he's in a good situation with a guy like Sean Payton, who's as good as anybody. So I actually think that it's a nice situation. And you, you got your guy, Michael Thomas, if he can stay healthy and you got Alvin Kamara as your running back as well. And you have a pretty decent offensive line. But I'm with you on that. This is a big draft for the Saints in order to stay competitive, because if I had to choose a record right now. I like the Saints going 10 and 7 or maybe 9 and 8. Not even. Like I I think this is a team that can stay competitive because of how good their system and their culture is in that coaching staff. But obviously the big thing there is Jameis Winston or Taysom Hill, whoever the heck starts week 1. Obviously I think a lot of people are going towards Jameis Winston, but I wouldn't I wouldn't put anything past Sean Payton. He does a lot of crazy things and changes up a lot of things week to week. So I, I'm with you on the Saints one and then to the NFC West. I'm actually going to point out the, the Seattle Seahawks. And I say this because the, the Niners, what they did in the offseason was honestly way better than I thought that they were going to do. I thought half of our secondary was as good as gone this season. And the fact that we pretty much brought back everybody except for Richard Sherman and Akella Witherspoon, 
I mean, wow. Like that's, I, I don't know how the hell they pulled it off, but I guess that just goes to show you what John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan have built there. So I was really, really thrilled to see that. And especially with bringing in and uh, re-signing Trent Williams was just massive. I don't care how much money that was. It was worth it. As long as he can stay healthy, of course. And then bringing in Alex Mack was huge too. I thought that was massive. The Niners needed a good center really, really badly. So I loved what we did in the offseason. The LA Rams going to get Matt Stafford. I think that offense is going to be ridiculous. With Cooper Cup, Cam Akers is up and coming. Uh, Robert Woods in there too. They got a good offensive line. I love that offense. But their defense took some hits. They lost Michael Brockers. They lost Samson Ebucam. So I think that defense... They need to hit some draft picks on the defensive side in this draft because they lost some guys. And then the Arizona Cardinals, what they were able to do, I mean, goodness gracious, they look like the, the 2019 Cleveland Cavaliers when they got Dwayne Wade and, and all those washed-up guys. Mm -hmm. That's what the Cardinals are looking like right now, bringing back A.J. Green, Poway past his prime, Malcolm Butler past his prime, and, and some other guys. I like the Rodney Hudson one, though. That, that was a really nice pickup. But the Cardinals are looking like that. Like they brought in a button. J.J. Watt they brought in as well. So they brought, they brought in a lot of guys. So it will be interesting to see what the Cardinals do. I'm not sold on them because I just hate Cliff Kingsbury. I think he's an awful coach. I think he's holding the Cardinals back. But as for the Seahawks, we've heard a lot about Russell Wilson this year and about how he is actually voicing his opinion about how he's been the most sacked quarterback over the past few years. The Seahawks defense was really, really bad at the beginning of the season, and they got better as it went on. This is a team that I feel like if they can't ace this draft, they're going to fall in the last place. Now, I'm not going to... I would never predict that because as long as Russell Wilson starts, Seattle's going to be competitive in every game that they play. But this, is a, but this is a draft that they need to hit on because Arizona got better in the offseason, the Rams got better in the offseason, and the 49ers got better in the offseason. And if all three of those teams can stay healthy, Seattle's in trouble this year, and there could be trouble in paradise, which I love to hear, but I got to see it happen first before I believe it because Seattle's competitive every single year. Um, another team that I want to point out there is the Green Bay Packers and the Las Vegas Raiders. I think those are two teams that need to hit on this draft too. The Packers being so, so, so close to the Super Bowl two years in a row this year. Can they finally just give Aaron Rodgers a goddamn supporting cast member? Like for the love of God. Mm -hmm. Like I don't know what it's going to take for the Packers to... Jordan Love, I don't even think suited up once last year. No, he was like, the third I, string. He didn't dress yeah, for a like, single game. Like, I I just, I can't, I mean, was it worth it to see Aaron Rodgers play as good as he did last year? Sure, you can make the case for that. Aaron Rodgers was absolutely unbelievable. But at the same time, he if he just had that one extra guy, and I know a few guys did step up last year, but if you give another really dynamic guy to put aside Devontae Adams... You are making like you are really helping, and you have Aaron Jones, who I really like at running back too. You're really helping yourself. So Green Bay, I I really hope they're able to do something. Maybe they even you know trade up just a little bit and try and get a playmaker to to complement Devontae Adams on offense. And the Raiders, I think, are just an absolute disaster. Like I I don't know what the hell they were doing by like literally revamping their entire offensive line. I don't know what direction they're going in. They don't have a very good supporting cast on offense. I kind of like where they're going on defense. They're slowly getting better. But their offense just looks absolutely atrocious other than Josh Jacobs on offense. 
Yeah, it's um, the thing with the Raiders that I, I really didn't understand was that offensive line. That was it was pretty well paid, and they weren't really that far up against the cap, as far as I was able to tell. Yeah, but to give away Trent Brown for peanuts, to to give away Rodney Hudson for a third round pick, like that that made no sense. Rodney Hudson is arguably the best center in football. Yes, yes, like like he is an absolutely great great center. And with Kyler Murray, I can't wait to see that shine. I can't wait to see Cliff Kingsbury finally figure it out. I hope because to be honest with you, I kind of agree. I think he's a you know a bit over his head as an NFL head coach. I think he's a decent offensive coordinator. You know if he can figure out how to use uh, you know a couple of tight ends and not go run around with five wide receivers for sixty minutes. I think he he's actually a decent coordinator. But as a coach, I think he's a little bit over his head. I mean, for God's sake, he got fired from Texas Tech, and, and that was after Patrick Mahomes. So, you know, it just it just kind of seems to me like um, you know at the end of the day that they they really kind of went and decided to change everything but to really gain nothing that's what i'm worried about the raiders is you have Derek carr and he's another one of those not great but not bad he's not gonna throw away games at all and he's no he's relatively well yeah he's he's a good quarterback like he hasn't like he's not amazing or outstanding but i feel like if you actually gave him good pieces the raiders are a playoff team like they've been they've been like in the in the hunt conversations in you know early to mid December and then they kind of fade in week 16 17 because they just don't they don't they're not giving Derek Carr the right pieces to succeed and that's what I don't like and the offensive line if you don't give Derek Carr an offensive line it's over for you and like you said Trent Brown when he's healthy one of the better tackles in the league Rodney Hudson I absolutely agree I think was one of the most underrated players in the NFL one of the best centers in all of football and then they cut Gabe Jackson who's a pretty good guard as well so as we talked about Cliff Kingsbury, I think John Gruden's a little over his head as well. So this is a big year for the Raiders and the Cardinals. And I obviously, I don't like to talk good about the Cardinals, but I do love Kyler Murray and I love DeAndre Hopkins. They're just exceptional players. And as a football fan, I love watching them. So it'll be very interesting. I mean, if I had to pick like records right now in the NFC West, I would say either Seattle and Arizona are finishing last at 10 and seven or even nine and eight like an, an above 500 record. So it just, it really goes to show you. And so before we end off this episode, let's just, you know, well, obviously it's really early when we look at early NFC and AFC contenders. Obviously it's just the end of April. There's still an entire summer before week one of the NFL season. But so far, who would you say it's now since free agency is kind of wrapped up, would you say are the top contenders in the NFC and AFC as a really early, early prediction? I mean, yeah, it's about, uh, you know, April sometimes doesn't always translate to December, but absolutely. I think uh, I think right now it's uh, the Chiefs is the AFC that's theirs to lose. I mean, they're just so dynamic and everybody knows that Orlando Brown trade, the Joe Thune pickup, the ability to, uh, you know, just plan so well with that, you know, massive extension, half a billion dollars for Patrick Mahomes. People don't realize like that looks not great on paper in the long run, but they can just continue to kick that half a billion down the road. And the salary cap goes up so much. They're so, so talented that the chiefs really have that AFC in a stranglehold, but there's a few teams that I think could really challenge them. I think Baltimore, even still with the, even after that trade, they're, they're just a dynamic team. And if Lamar can refine that passing mechanics, and I know a lot of people are hoping on that. I really think Lamar can, can absolutely shine. Maybe give him, uh, you know, another wide receiver. Sammy Watkins doesn't seem like he'll be the answer, but he'll be a answer. Uh, and the AFC, I'm, I'm, and again, a bit of a homer pick. I don't think the Pats are anywhere near a championship caliber team, but I think they're a playoff team. And with Belichick, you know, you never know. I mean, for God's sake, Tom Brady, he ran a 5-2-8 and threw 20 touchdowns in a 16-game season, and they still won a Super Bowl. So he could find a way. I, I wouldn't be surprised at the end of the day, but it's just really unlikely. The Bills, they're up there. I mean, they were up there this year, uh, but there's, you know, 
you got to see that consistency from Josh Allen. And one season looks really good, and I hope it continues. But you got to, you know, you got to coach that, and you got to adjust to new new topics. So that's really for me the AFC. At the end of the day, you know, you see the odd teams that might pop up, say the Steelers, or, or even. For example, like Miami, with all the first-round picks, if they pull something off, I, I could yep. kind of see it. But, um, yeah, that's kind of the AFC. For the NFC, uh, you know, it's definitely going to be, a like I said, a bl- we were talking about a bloodbath in the NFC West with the 49ers. Um, I could even see if, for some reason, Cliff Kingsbury figures it out the, and Kyler Murray kind of makes that next step and becomes almost an MVP candidate, they could be absolutely dangerous. Um, even Even the Rams, like the Rams could absolutely go there, to be honest with you. I really think the Super Bowl out of the NFC comes through the NFC West. Uh, the only really thing that I could see maybe happening, uh, you know, maybe uh, a crazy team comes along. Uh, I don't know. Uh, you never know. But at the end of the day, but uh, yeah, I see West is, is the division that, that wins it. Yeah, that's a good call. Like, I, I think all four teams have potential to go to make a really deep run out of the NFC. But I still think what the Tampa Bay Buccaneers did this offseason, I just don't know how I can say that they're not the favorite in the NFC until someone tops them. Like they I don't like it is so hard to bring back everybody after not even just winning a Super Bowl, but just making the Super Bowl. A lot of these guys, you're telling me Chris Godwin, Shaq Barrett, and Dominican too, like some of these guys couldn't have left and got a really nice contract somewhere else. They absolutely could have. But the fact that they came back on a, either a one-year deal or a franchise tag says something about the Buccaneers and what they have there. So I'm not ready to say that a team can beat Tampa until I see it. And Tom Brady is the greatest quarterback of all time. So, And that defense is solid. Like They have a very well-rounded team that I think, yes, they, they have potential to maybe even be the top seed in the NFC next year. But I'm with you with the NFC West. Again, I love what my Niners did this offseason. I feel like we have a championship-caliber team pending Jimmy Garoppolo's health if he's able to be healthy and hopefully this is what I'm really hoping for this season and this would be like my ideal scenario here is if whoever the Niners pick at three fuels Jimmy Garoppolo the same way Jordan Love fueled Aaron Rodgers that would be my ideal situation there is if Jimmy Garoppolo comes out plays 16 games we go on a deep run into, into late January and Jimmy Garoppolo plays great football and he stays healthy because this team, and not even just Jimmy, but Bosa wasn't around last year. Ayuk and Debo never really got a chance to play together. George Kittle was out half the year. There was injuries all over the damn place. And now you get a chance where if everyone can come back and stay healthy, I absolutely think we can challenge the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And I think it would be an absolutely unbelievable game. And maybe, just maybe, I will finally get my Tom Brady versus Jimmy Garoppolo matchup that I've been asking for the last three, four years. But Green Bay, I still think will be in the mix. Again, I, I really want them to go out and get someone to compliment Devontae Adams. I love Devontae Adams. And Aaron Rodgers is still playing amazing ball. And the LA Rams, like I mentioned, I think their defense won't be as good as last year. But Matthew Stafford with that supporting cast, with Sean McVay calling the plays, I'm expecting that offense to go off the charts. So I'm, I'm excited to see what happens in the NFC. I think Seattle, Saints, Dallas, Minnesota, eh. I like what the Cardinals did. I like what Washington did, but I, I need to see it happen from them. You know what I mean? I, I can't, you know, say that I need to see it, see them actually win some games. Because the Cardinals should have been a playoff team last year. Absolutely. And then as and then as for the AFC, 
Kansas City, I'm with you. I don't care if they got killed in the Super Bowl. I still think they are the team to beat. I don't think Super Bowl hangover is in their repertoire. And if it does, they go 11-5, and five, and that's a Super Bowl hangover for Kansas City. You know, right? Like, they lose, like, a few more games than they should be. But I still think Casey's the team to beat. They still got their big three in, in Kelsey, Mahomes, and Tyreek. I still think they're the team to beat. I think Buffalo... I don't know about you. I really like the Emmanuel Sanders signing. I feel like that was a very underrated signing by the Bills to go ahead and get Emmanuel Sanders to compliment him with Stephon Diggs. And then you got Cole Beasley as well. I really, really like that trio with Josh Allen over in Buffalo. And then I'm, I'm with you on Baltimore. I think Lamar Jackson, if he can take that next step as a passer, that is the biggest thing for Baltimore. I think it's the only thing that's holding him back. Because they could have easily made that Buffalo game in the playoffs a, a competitive game if Lamar Jackson could could use his arm more. So I think that's the big problem with Baltimore. Indy's a very interesting team with Carson Wentz. I feel like Frank Reich is going to be able to bring him back to life. And then the last team here is Cleveland. This is a team that I think has a really, really high potential. If Baker, May- Baker Mayfield really showed last year that he can do it, but can he play with the big boys like Kansas City and Buffalo, which he almost did last year? They almost beat KC. So Cleveland is my team to watch out for next year. But that's there's still a whole lot of offseason to go. So anything can change at any, at any point in time. But that's kind of where I'm at right now. But any last thoughts, my man? Yeah, I, uh, I appreciate it. Uh, no, I, uh, I definitely think the, uh, the Tampa Bay, I mean, I absolutely love what they did and keeping everybody and all that. It's a really, really you know, unbelievably rare thing to do. But one thing to keep in mind, they're now going to be playing a first-place schedule. The thing that made the Buccaneers, don't get me wrong, like they were a Super Bowl winner. You can't knock them for that. But they were playing the schedule from when Jameis was the quarterback, and they were the last team in the division. So when they were playing teams last year, they were playing teams like the Broncos. They were playing teams like the Raiders, the Giants, yep. and the Bears. So now that they have a first-place schedule, they're going to be playing some tougher teams. They're going to be playing – you know, some games that they could potentially lose. Because if you look at it, like, they got killed by the Saints twice. They lost yep. to the Chiefs. They lost to the Bears. They, they, I mean, they, they, they definitely won the Super Bowl, and that's an unbelievably good, uh, you know, you can't beat that at the end of the day. But that's, uh, to me, that's Tom Brady's clutchness. That's, that's that gene that you just don't find in every quarterback, if not any quarterback. But, yeah, yeah. They, they, uh, they definitely are going to be the team to, uh, team to watch out for now that they have all those guys back. And, and the Packers, like you said, they, they, they just need to help Devontae. If they can help Devontae and help Aaron, then, then they're up there as well. Because it's just such a competitive, competitive NFC. And in comparison, the AFC has like six teams. <laughs> yeah. Like, no, it's a good point. No, it's a good it's it's a very good point. And and you forgot something too. Tampa Bay's not getting a first place schedule, bro. They were in second last year. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They're a the wild card. Yeah, they're a wild card team. And that's how insane that that goes. But they do have a harder schedule. And if they're if they get a second place schedule, I believe that would be playing the Giants and the Rams rather than Washington. And I think it was, oh, no, actually, I don't even know who they're playing, but it would be the second place teams would have been the Giants, Minnesota, and out of the NFC, it would have been the Rams in second place. So I think it still is a harder schedule that way. I would, I would probably rather play Seattle than the Rams, to be honest, but they got to play the Rams instead. So it, it will be very interesting to see what happens. They do have a few tough games. They got Buffalo in there as well. Um, but yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm excited to see what happens. The schedule drops in a few weeks, so we'll, we'll see all of that there. But man, great to have you on. We're definitely going to have you on in the future, but a big, big draft pick 
looms for the San Francisco 49ers on Thursday. I'm going to leave my prediction with this. The 49ers select Trey Lance as a third overall pick. I love it. I love it. I, I love it. And I think that if, if he masters it, then that's absolutely a, a home run pick because he'll, he'll take that, you know, a couple of years, maybe even a year just to, to wait. And then he's off and running and the 49ers are a championship team for a couple of years at least and potentially a decade. But uh, yeah, I'm going to go uh, Tampa Bay selecting Justin Fields. I don't want to copy you too, too much here. Yeah. Yeah. I really think it, I, I, I just, I think that they, I don't know if you heard, but so they went to Justin Fields uh, pro day and the second one, and they didn't ask anybody to videotape it. They specifically had yep, him run yep. 49ers plays. And I love that. Like that, that is few and far between to get a quarterback at the college level and give him a NFL concept and to see him do it in front of your eyes. If they loved it, I think that's the pick. Yeah, I'm with you. Am I tripping or did you say Tampa Bay? Did I say Tampa Bay? You might I have. I have I have no idea, but I knew where you were going with that. Listen, <laughs> just, all good. Justin Fields, I'd be I honestly I'd be super happy if we pick Justin Fields too. I think he's a straight up baller. But we'll we will see what happens. But thanks again, man, for joining. We'll definitely have you on in the future. Um, any last thoughts before we wrap this up? No, it was a, it was an absolute pleasure. Thank you so so much for having me and uh, can't wait to be back. It was a lot of fun, a lot of fun chatting. Absolutely, man. Take it easy. All right. Take care. Always great having Alex on the show. We'll definitely have him on in the future for future episodes as well. But before I wrap up this week's episode, I'm just going to leave it off on this for my 49er fans. Obviously, this is a really big pick that the Niners will take at number three. And I have heard literally a different rumor every single week. It was Mac Jones back when the 49ers traded for three. Then it was Justin Fields after his pro day. And then recently it was Trey Lance. I mean, I've heard Steve Young's come out of retirement. I've heard, I've heard it all at this point. So whoever the 49ers choose at three, we'll, we'll never know. Because we have heard every different rumor in the book that the 49ers could possibly select at three. In fact, even earlier today, I heard the 49ers know who they're picking. So the Niners have it penciled in who they're going to take. Will it be Justin Fields? Trey Lance or Mac Jones. This is the future of the San Francisco 49ers. And this is the most important draft pick in the John Lynch, Kyle Shanahan era. This is the most important draft pick the 49ers organization has had to make in a long, long time. Obviously, they thought Jimmy Garoppolo was the answer back in 2017. Obviously, injuries derailed that. It was a series of unfortunate events that has led the 49ers to sacrificing a lot of the future, not a whole ton, but a, a decent amount to move up to number three to select the face of the franchise. And this is going to be the interesting, the interesting thing about this pick is going to be, since this is basically going to be Kyle Shanahan's pick, this, this is, he's finally going to get his opportunity to choose his guy, right? Brian Hoyer was just a guy to get the rebuild started, right? They drafted C.J. Beathard as a potential developmental project. Didn't necessarily work out. I wish C.J. Beathard the best of luck in Jacksonville. He's a good kid. He was a good quarterback. He just didn't have enough. We dealt with Nick Mullins for a little bit. He definitely wasn't it. Same thing. You know, mediocre quarterback. Good guy. But not the answer. 
Then there were rumors about Kirk Cousins in 2017, about Kyle Shannon wanting to reunite with Kirk Cousins. That didn't happen. Thank heavens that didn't happen. Because I don't like Kirk Cousins. And I thought the 49ers would not win many playoff games, let alone make it to a Super Bowl with Kirk Cousins. Then obviously the 49ers make the trade for Jimmy Garoppolo. And Jimmy Garoppolo did nothing but win for us. But 2018 and 2020, we were 4-12 and 6-10 and respectively when we shouldn't have. And that has all led us up to this week where the San Francisco 49ers will select a quarterback, at least we all think so. I mean, on a, on a rare, you know, on a, the most dramatic draft pick if the 49ers were to select Kyle Pitts at number three after all this. But obviously we know 99% the 49ers are going to select the quarterback at number three. Will it be Justin Fields, Trey Lance, or Mac Jones? Maybe even Zach Wilson if he falls to number three. Huge pick. The Niners have got to get this one right. Only time will tell. Obviously, you know, whoever the Niners pick, you know, we can be happy, upset about it. That's not going to matter. It's not going to matter how we react on draft day. It's going to be about how we react in five years. If the 49ers win a Super Bowl, if the 49ers win multiple Super Bowls, if the 49ers don't win the NFC West in the next five years, that's what's going to judge this draft pick, not how we react on Thursday. If, the, if Roger Goodell stands up there and he calls Mac Jones' name at number three, that's, that's, that's great. Obviously, a lot of our fan base is probably not going to be very happy about that. But if Mac Jones wins us the Super Bowl in two, three years, we're going to say that is the draft pick that we will always remember for, for, the, for the rest of our lives. And that is the dra- this is the draft pick that will define Kyle Shanahan's coaching career. Which I think Kyle Shanahan has established himself as one of the best play callers of this generation. But he has an opportunity with this draft pick to define himself as the next Bill Walsh. This is a really big draft pick here. And, and I know I'm somewhat kind of bigging it up. But, you, but we have to. Because it is a very important draft pick on Thursday night. Who will the 49ers select? Only time will tell. And obviously we know Jimmy Garoppolo is probably going to be our starter heading into this season. But we'll see what happens because anything after that, whoever we pick at three is going to get the keys to the car eventually. Will the 49ers draft the next Patrick Mahomes or not? Again, only time will tell over the next five years. Big draft pick looms on Thursday. That will do it for this week's episode of the 49 Away Podcast. And next week, we will see and recap who the 49ers selected three and who Kyle Shanahan has hand-picked to be the face of the franchise of the San Francisco 49ers quarterback long-term. Thank you for listening to the 49 Away podcast. And don't forget to give us a follow on Instagram and Twitter for more 49ers news and analysis and for all the 49ers draft rumors and updates on draft week.